most major brands are at least examining esports, if not creating an esports strategy and trying to connect with gamers in some way. Learn modern marketing that you can use to grow your business in today's competitive landscape. This is Digital Marketing Masters with Matt and Carrie Rouse. Welcome to Digital Marketing Masters. I'm your host, Matt Rouse, and today my guest is Mitch Reams. Mitch is a multimedia journalist focused on the intersection of sports and esports. He's published articles for Adweek, Washington Post, Sports Techie, the National Football Post. And since 2017, he's published more than 600 articles for a wide variety of sites. And he also holds a degree in electronic media from the University of Oregon. And finally, Mitch also is the host of the Esports Minute on the Esports Network. Mitch, how are you doing? I'm doing all right, all things considered. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, so you're out in Las Vegas, right? Mm-hmm. Crazy time for you guys there. It definitely is. The city's reopening maybe a little bit too early, but they don't really have a choice with so much of our industry and our city based on tourism. So we're open at this point. But yeah, the industry there. So so they used to have these big esports events and stuff in Las Vegas, right? Kind of like in-person events. And we'll get into that for in a minute. But the first thing that I wanted to ask you is some of our listeners are probably not familiar with esports. So do you want to define what esports is? Absolutely. So my whole goal coming out of college was to be the guy who can explain esports to the traditional audience. So hopefully I can do this well. Esports are simply competitive video games. They follow a lot of the same structures as sports with some key differences being that they're video games. They operate in quite a few different genres. Some of the biggest ones are shooters like Call of Duty or Fortnite. There's also strategy games like Hearthstone that are more like card games. And then there's your sports simulations. So your Maddens, your FIFAs, games that are modeling real life sports. Beyond that, it's an industry that's growing rapidly. It's global with many different forms of esports being popular in different areas. Right now, Asia is really leading the charge on most esports, specifically China and South Korea are the two leading countries in terms of esports competitors and esports infrastructure. And now it's becoming very popular in the U.S. with a lot of sports owners and players buying in, buying esports organizations, investing in various companies. Those include all the biggest names in sports, really Robert Kraft, Stan Kroenke, Mark Wilpon, McCourts, the McCourt family, a lot of of sports owners, a lot of athletes as well. So esports is very similar to sports, but it's just competitive video games. But people like it for the same reasons, generally uh, competition, teamwork, practice, you know, all the same things that go into sports go into esports as well. And I think for people who may not be that into, you know, like video games and things like that, they always tell me like I've, I've talked about esports in the past and they're like, you mean people watch other people play video games? I'm like, absolutely. When people say it like that, it's like saying, you know, that people who go to watch football, you go, oh, you go watch people run around with a the ball. There's something to it that you have to kind of see it. And what kind of what, what is what's the scale of some of these events? Massive because of China. Generally, in terms of viewership, uh, you're going to see, you know, sometimes the stats thrown around the League of Legends World Championship, which is the biggest esport in the world, had more viewers than the Super Bowl. It's not confirmed because it's all reliant on 
Chinese viewership. But League of Legends in China is absolutely massive. And China has 1.1 billion people. So the viewership you're going to see on some of these events, if they're popular in China, is going to be up there with the biggest sporting events. Uh, and across the younger generation, you're seeing a lot more esports fans. That's the reason a lot of the sports owners and investors are getting involved in it. Because while sports has more viewers right now, esports is doing a better job capturing the Gen Z, the younger demo, uh, the cord cutting demo that isn't watching cable as much. And so that's why really high numbers in that demographic are why esports has a lot of room to grow and why people are investing so heavily into it. Nice. In terms of prize money, that's another comparison point I like to use. And I, th- I thought you were going to talk about it, so don't let me uh, get to you. But there's- no, go ahead. Go ahead. And I could, I've got some stats that we can read after uh, that I think would be a little bit mind-blowing for some people who don't know about it. It's, it's pretty incredible. So I, I wrote this article just last week because the biggest prize pool in esports consistently is an event called The International. And it comes from Seattle-based company Valve. When has a prize pool last year in 2019 had a prize pool of 34.3 million dollars. So if you compare that to traditional sports, that's more than Wimbledon, that's more than the Masters, that's more than most single sporting events. There's some. I think the U.S. Open, the FedEx Cup, and golf and tennis are above it, but it's up there with the biggest payouts for any sporting event, esports or sports, out there in the world, and it's. There's a, there's a very unique structure that creates that, but I won't get too deep into that. Do they play a bunch of different games at the International, or is it just... Just this one game called Dota 2. Uh, Defense of the Ancients 2. It's the same genre as League of Legends. League of Legends is a more viewed game, uh, but Dota 2's unique structure creates this biggest prize pool that we see. And it's like a team kind of battle game, right? Where there's, I think, four people on each side, and they... Well, that's League of Legends is for, right? It's five, I believe, yeah. Or five, yeah, sorry, five. It's your basketball analogy, basically. Five different people right. play different positions. I forgot about the middle lane on League of Legends. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you've got the, the top lane, the middle lane, uh, the bottom lane, the support, and then the jungler who sort of plays all over. So, so fun fact, that was a beta tester on League of Legends. Really? Yeah. That's crazy. And you know what? I didn't play for a year and my account got deleted and I lost all my beta stuff that I had in there. I had like the beta skins and all that kind of stuff for being a tester. <laughs> I lost all my shit because I didn't log in. That's awesome. Did you ever see the game becoming as big as it is now? No, you know, it was it was kind of a fun thing to play, though. You know, I had these there's these guys looking for somebody just kind of randomly in the because you could chat, you know, in the in the game rooms. Yeah, some people picked me up on their team and we just used to play it. And it was late at night for me and uh, these guys from Minnesota and we just play. I've never, I've never met them in person and we just used to play every night for years. But this is, well, this, I mean, League of Legends is not a new game. It's been around for a long time now. Yeah, been around since 09. It's uh, really unique because it's one of the only games that's continued to grow its viewership over time. CSGO being the other one, uh, Counter-Strike Global Offensive stop using is all these acronyms that that are so tied to esports and it's been really unique for league of legends because they keep setting a record as they they have a massive event and just today actually came out that world's 2020 is probably not happening as china cancels all sporting events so might finally be a downturn in viewership or a postponed event coming up for worlds yeah so i've got kind of some more numbers from some of these events so the League of Legends Worlds Tournament at 3.9 million viewers. 
The Fortnite World Cup was 2.3 million viewers. The Dota 2 was 2 million viewers. Free Fire was 2 million. Counter-Strike was 1.2 million. PUBG was 980,000. Arena of Valor was over 700,000. Overwatch was over 600,000. Apex Legends was half a million. PUBG was half a million. This is a lot of people watching these events. And that's not including Chinese viewership, which is interesting. Is that most places do not include it because there's no like confirmed data. So Riot Games will announce be like, hey, Worlds was actually watched by 98 million, but nobody can see that data. And so you, whatever site you pull that from, they generally don't include Chinese data because they don't have access to those numbers. Is it a technical reason they can't get the data? Is it just the way the Chinese internet's set up? Or? I think it's just secrecy. And Riot Games is completely owned by Tencent, a Chinese company. So when they report the numbers, we can believe them, but they have never been corroborated by a third party. Right. So these are crazy big events. Yeah, they're massive events. And watched by millions of people online. And I think uh, another thing that a lot of people who may not be in in kind of the computer video gaming world are not aware of is uh, we're not aware of at all is Twitch. Right. Basically like gamer YouTube. Right. And uh, I mean, there's a lot of other stuff on Twitch, too. But so it's interesting because I talk to people. Uh, in the business world, and they've never even heard of Twitch. And there's people like literally tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people who make their living streaming on Twitch and getting supported through subscription or through ad revenue and stuff like that, that are playing games on Twitch with other people watching them. Twitch is insane. It's massive. And when you hear people during this pandemic talk about winners in esports or esports going through a moment, a lot of times they're talking about Twitch. In April of 2020, they saw 1.5 billion hours watched on the platform, which was a 100% increase over April 2019. Now everybody was stuck at home in April, but still it gives an idea of just the absolute massive nature of this platform. Back in 2014, I believe, Amazon acquired Twitch for $1 billion, just under $1 billion. Now it has a value of just under $4 billion. It's still owned by Amazon. So uh, for business people, they really need to be aware of Twitch because it's this massive property among Amazon's catalog and is something that they're investing a lot into and also pushing into, as you mentioned, more mainstream, uh, less gaming. So Thursday night football games are on Twitch. Some Premier League matches are being added to Twitch. So it's it's becoming a player in these media rights deals for sports now too. So it's something that mainstream people probably need to be aware of as we look towards the future and where media is going. And Twitch is very similar to YouTube in the fact that you could just go create your own account, set up your own channel and away you go. You can start uploading videos or streaming. Yeah. Um, Twitch is predominantly streaming, not as much like pre-produced video, right? It's just, yeah, it's all, it's all live basically. And then after a live broadcast, that broadcast gets uploaded and you can watch it after the fact. But as far as I know, I, you can do pre-recorded content, actually. That's And just put it out there and then you watch it live. But it's kind of different to YouTube in that way where YouTube has to be pre-recorded, go up, and then you can watch it. Twitch has to have a live component somewhere along it. So, I mean, you could pre-record things and then use something like OBS studio to live stream it. Right. So there's, I mean, there's a lot of ways around it, obviously there's live production television and you can delay live feeds and, but I don't want to get into the technical aspects of it, but 
if you're somebody looking to grow your business with live video, Twitch is definitely an option you should be looking Absolutely. at. A lot of people, especially in the business world, they, they go to what's familiar, right? So they're like, okay, well, I'm going to live stream my business. I'm going to do it on Facebook, mm-hmm. you know? But if you're trying to capture, especially a younger audience, and when I say younger, I mean kind of like 30 and under, not like a lot of people think it's like teenagers and shit, but yeah, those people, maybe they grew up with Twitch, started when they were, you know, 10 or 12, but now they've been watching it for 10 years, right? And now they're in their 20s and they're getting jobs and buying houses and, you know, so there is a large adult component on Twitch. And I mean, this is a failing of business owners in general that I see because your your business owners are generally older, right? Because they've been in business for a while or they didn't have to save up money to start their business for whatever reason, Right. People in business for a long time are kind of delaying making that switch into the digital world. They look at anything that seems new to them as only being used by people under 20. They're like, it's just kids that use that thing. And I'm like, that thing came out 15 years ago. Right? <laughs> like if they were a teenager when they started using it, they're almost 30 now. Right. So there's there's a gap there in in the understanding of the technology and who's using it. What's really remarkable as well is if you go, so I spent a decent amount of time in San Francisco because there's a lot of gaming hubs there. If you go into one of these Silicon Valley companies, a Google, a Twitter, you're going to see a lot of Twitch streams, especially even on the broadcast because tech people, by and large, they, they love sports too, but they trend towards esports. They're playing video games. They're all in these tech worlds. And those people have a lot of money. So if you're a business owner and you're neglecting the fact that, hey, these are being played at the biggest, most powerful companies in the world, you really need to be aware of this format for video because that's where industry is going in so many ways. And you want to be connecting. If you could tell me you could get into a Silicon Valley office and your broadcast be played there or the platform you're on, I'd want to do that if I was a business owner. I think there's also... um There's a lot lot of times people don't realize that something is in use until like their friends start using it. And if all your friends and peers are kind of in the same age group as you, you don't see that stuff right away, right? It just kind of comes out of nowhere. You're like, where did this thing come from? And you're like, well, it's it's been around for, you know, over a decade. And it has, like you said, I mean, a billion and a half hours of people watching it. Obviously, someone's watching it, right? You know, it's not as watched as as YouTube is, but I would guess that more hours of video are consumed on Twitch than like Amazon Prime TV or on most networks, except for maybe your top six or seven kind of OTT and, and television networks. Twitch probably gets watched more than any of them. Yeah, I would guess so. I mean, so there's the interesting thing. I was talking to somebody at Digital Agency Expo last year, and they were talking about the, how they have a television show that they produce, right? Like a satellite TV show. And um, they get sponsorship for it. They make their money through the sponsorship. And a, and a good viewership for them is like 10, 12,000 people. And I'm there's hundreds of thousands of people on Twitch who get more than 10,000 people watching their <laughs> videos, right? So... Uh, a good Twitch screen streamer or a YouTube streamer has, you know, the the same viewership as like a network television show. Yeah. So there's there's a massive amount of attention put on that media, a lot of eyeballs. And I mean, I was going to ask you how business can get involved in esports, but obviously we're already talking about it a bit. <laughs> but so some of the businesses that are involved in esports are pretty big companies, right? Like, 
I know we had talked about mostly they're in kind of, is it from sponsorships? Yeah, it depends on, you know, what sector you're in. There's a lot of sponsorships, a lot of big brands creating esports sponsorships, partnering with teams, partnering with leagues. Off the top of my head, MasterCard's been a really big one with League of Legends. A lot of car brands. I think I can almost every car brand. It's hard to find one that isn't. Ford, Toyota, Nissan, even Lamborghini and McLaren both signed esports deals recently. Uh, we've seen this push into luxury goods as well. Gucci, Louis Vuitton doing stuff in esports. So it's most major brands are at least examining esports, if not creating an esports strategy and trying to connect with gamers in some way. And I saw that thing about MasterCard having their logo on like the flags and stuff inside the game so people would see them. I saw some stuff, too, about people putting advertisements in Fortnite and they had ads in Fortnite during the live streams. That was super interesting. And I can't remember who it was off the top of my head, but somebody did some kind of political rally that was in Fortnite. And they used that game as as like just a gathering place for all the people to go in and, and have a conversation instead of actually playing the game. I found that was super interesting, too. There's a whole lot of stuff that's coming, you know, down the pipe as it comes to technology. And and right now with, you know, everything that's going on with quarantines and stuff like that, I think that's pushing a lot of people to kind of discover more stuff that's online that might be a little outside of their normal day to day, you know, outside of their wheelhouse a little bit. Well, let me ask you this. So what are the questions that you get asked the most about esports? There's the main one. Are esports sports? I haven't heard that in a while, actually. The answer is no. They're digital sports, uh, just like emails, digital mail, or e-commerce is digital commerce. It's they're not physical sports. Clearly, they're esports, which we've all accepted as the this is a digital version. They're competitive games, like I said at the top. They require practice and teamwork and strategy and quick reflexes, uh, but. They're, they're competitive video games, and that's fine. I don't think anybody in esports is like, these are sports. It, it, it's a comparison that doesn't really matter. They share a lot of similarities, but are intrinsically different, and that's okay. So if somebody wants to talk to you about having you write an article or something about esports or the esports business and that kind of thing, how would they get a hold of you? You could find me anywhere. I think I still have my email in my bio. It's reamsmitch at gmail.com. Super simple. You can send me DMs on Twitter. I think you can actually with me on LinkedIn. Works for me. I'm pretty out there if you search my name. So hit me up and I'm happy to talk always. If you're a student or if you're a business person, I'm happy to talk about esports. I just like talking esports. And I'm always looking for good story ideas. So if you think you have an angle that people aren't covering or aren't talking about or something that confuses you about esports and you weren't able to find good information about it. That's something that tells me, hey, we need to write an article about this. So any point of confusion for the general audience is something I'm looking to help explain. Perfect. And what's your favorite game? My favorite game is Rocket League. I love Rocket League. Rocket League? Why don't you explain what Rocket League is? Rocket League is soccer with cars, and it's one of the most unique esports out there because it's like a sports simulation, like a FIFA or a Madden that tries to be a sport, but it's completely based in a fantasy world. So you're driving a car, flying a car up around this enclosed arena and trying to hit a ball at a goal. The game's been out five years now and people still haven't reached the skill ceiling of it because it's so difficult to just drive one of these cars when you pick up the game that by now people are just really doing some incredible things with the cars, but still finding new things you can do even though the game doesn't ever change. And I love it as an esport because it, 
satisfies my sport itch, but it's also not a sports simulation where, you know, if you want to watch NBA 2K, you could just watch the NBA. And I'm going to choose that personally. Same with Madden, same with FIFA. I'm just going to watch the real thing instead of watching the eSport. You can't watch people actually drive cars through the air and play sports. And it really hits this important niche for eSports, which is accessibility, is the average fan can watch it and understand it, but also realize that it's not something that there's a clear competitor to. And so we've seen it. It was going to be attached to the Olympics this year with the Intel World Open. We've seen it in a lot of colleges, a lot of youth programs. I think Rocket League is a game that really fits this very unique niche. And there's not really any other eSport in it. And I love it for that reason from a business perspective and from a personal perspective because I just love the game. Nice. I actually, I just got the Command and Conquer Remastered Edition. That's a super old game. But it's kind of was one of the predecessors to the games that you play in some of the esports, like uh, like StarCraft and stuff like that. Still gets played a little bit. Yeah, it's crazy what's happening. I think there's going to be a lot of stuff coming along. I mean, I think VR is still a bit early, you know, for games and stuff like that. But I'm actually going to be interviewing the guys from VR Motion here in a couple of weeks. Oh, cool! And they make driving like very very realistic driving simulators for like trucks and rigs and tanks and you know who knows and i think that those super realistic kind of simulators might get into kind of the esports neighborhood before they're kind of in people's homes there's a farming simulator championship where you drive tractors oh yeah that's great yeah it's it's incredible i love it i think and and there's a lot of room for a lot of little kind of fun events and stuff that go along with esports like there's no reason why you can't take any game and just say okay well Let's get 50 people and install, you know, we got the game installed on the same hardware for everybody. So there's no advantages. And we're just going to see who can, you know, clear the most levels of Super Mario before the timer runs out or whatever. Right. I mean, there's there's lots of little ways that people can get involved and it's so accessible. Right. Not anybody can go out and dunk a basketball, but anybody can install League of Legends and play it. Right. One of my favorite things about esports. So right now, esports is pretty male dominated in terms of like top players, but women can compete on the top level with men. And we've seen that in quite a few cases. Hearthstone has a f- two female world champions. There was a, a woman in the Overwatch League. There's a woman in the NBA 2K League. A couple of women are really good at Fortnite and won a couple of Fortnite tournaments. They play for Gen G. And so it's awesome because it has that accessibility. Like you said, there's no barrier to entry. And now we're seeing mobile esports take off. And so while PC gaming used to be a hurdle that people had to get over to to start playing esports, now we're seeing anybody play with mobile phones. We're seeing esports take off in Brazil and in India, where there's just this massive explosion in mobile gaming. So it's really way more accessible than sports are in general terms. And it allows for a really cool ecosystem now there's still a lot of ways to go and creating true equality at the highest levels but it's something i love about esports is that that's possible and that there are people working to try and achieve that yeah and i think especially with the card games like hearthstone and stuff like that there's going to be the ability to to create tournaments and things like that that are accessible to anyone even people you know who might have you know some kind of physical disability it allows them to still be able to compete you know, it's it's kind of an interesting thing where you've got such a level playing field so that 
you don't have to have won the genetic lottery to necessarily be good at it, right? So I think that's a really interesting thing. And esports, man, there is going to be a lot of stuff coming out. It's just going to get bigger and bigger. And there's so much technology coming on the horizon. It's such an exciting time for esports. It really is. I know. It's really cool. Hey, Mitch, I really appreciate you coming on the show today. And I'll put uh, MitchReams.com in the show notes. So if people want to get a hold of you, they can. And we'll talk to you soon. And maybe I'll maybe we'll play some games sometime. Sounds good. Download Rocket League and we'll we'll get it going. I will. I got to check it out. You know what? I've seen it a lot of times and I was looking at it and I'm like, yeah. When you first drive a car in that game, it is a cruel reminder. You're like, wait, how does this work? You can't even hit a ball for like the first 15 hours. And then you watch pros do it and they're just doing incredible control where it looks like the ball is glued to their car. It's it's truly remarkable. (laughs) I might have to watch it a little more than play it, I think. (laughs) Possibly. Possibly. This has been Digital Marketing Masters with Matt and Carrie Rouse. For notes and a transcript of this episode, go to hookseo.com forward slash podcast. Now stay tuned for a preview of our next episode of Digital Marketing Masters. Join us next week as we dive into more tips and ideas to grow your business. Digital Marketing Masters is brought to you by Hook SEO Digital Marketing. Our show is produced by Matthew Rouse and Scott Burson. Mixed and edited by Silent Outburst Productions. I'm your announcer, Daniel D. Craig. We would love to hear your thoughts. Please leave us an honest review with your podcast provider. Your reviews help us help more business leaders just like you.